Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast, episode 135. We are back from our brief hiatus with visual now. If you want to see our beautiful faces, go on to our YouTube channel. The link will be in the description. Or if you're on YouTube and you don't want to see our faces, which I think is incredibly valid, you can go to our audio channel. versions i guess on all your podcast platforms uh but i'm your host as always carson tamar first joined by paul price you are back how are you today paul i'm fine i'm definitely not sick and everything's great <laughs> we definitely didn't like have a whole like plan a week ago to film this it fell through and then like on our last day we could paul's like oh i'm super sick today it totally is <laughs> like it's okay everyone um but luckily we're joined also by Michael Fairbanks, icon, legend. How are you doing today? Well, uh, I didn't get sick at Avatar, so I, I can, I'm considering that a win. Not one person in my IMAX screening coughed or sneezed. No one even talked. That's wow. So I dare say I'm doing pretty good. Was there Especially any cheering like they do at like the MCU events? Did they cheer? Actually, no, but one guy did boo the Mission Impossible trailer. It was just one guy, like, <laughs> it was one guy right in front of me. It ends up so just... with you. Boo. Yeah. So I, you booed the Mission Impossible trailer. I literally, like, stared daggers into him, too. I was like, if you don't shut up. <laughs> like, we had but, people, uh, go ahead. We had people cheer for the Barbie trailer, I'll say, at mine. So We didn't get the Barbie trailer. They I only showed Oppenheimer. <laughs> I know they only showed Oppenheimer and then Oppenheimer looks incredible. People were acting like the Oppenheimer trailer was trash and then it looks phenomenal. Look, Um, I'm excited because those two movies are coming out on my birthday. So I'll be having a nuclear Holocaust and Barbie party. And before Paul's like this week, we shouldn't do either on the podcast and we should just do my birthday selections and I have to turn him down. I'm going to be like, no, buddy. Sorry. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, no, just to be a birthday month. I don't think you're getting a birthday month this year. I think we did that last year. <laughs> fun, whatever. Ten we're not ten. doing it again. I think we're down to one episode, if that. <laughs> we'll give you, you can decide the question of the week or something. You know, it'll be something good for you. Birthday segment. Um, <laughs> birthday segment, exactly. That might get cut from the episode. We'll see. Right. I mean, we'll just see how it goes, right? Cut it down at least. The commercial break can just be you two singing happy birthday. God, sure. <laughs> if you want to hear us sing, I'll throw it on the Patreon. Um, why not? So today we are discussing because it comes out on Netflix today. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, which is Ryan Johnson's sequel to Knives Out, a film I presume we've all seen and I assume we all enjoyed. Most people enjoyed it. Uh, Detective Benoit Blanc is back on the case now in Greece during the COVID pandemic when he is invited to the island alongside this group of friends known as the Disruptors for a murder mystery game that might just turn out to be a real murder mystery. Who knows? I'm not going to spoil it for you, but... Yeah, I mean, someone dies. It's kind of the point of the movie. Um, Let's begin with just our spoiler-free thoughts. And we'll get into spoilers if you've seen the film. Great. We'll talk about that later. Let's get into our spoiler-free thoughts on the film. Paul, if you want to start, and then we'll just go around, give our thoughts, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Um, So when you mentioned, like, I think all of us have seen uh, Knives Out, I have a weird experience with Knives Out because the first time I watched it, I didn't just hate it. I despised it. Like, despised despised it um and 
it was because I'm so used to, you know, I was raised on murder mysteries. And so like the Hercule Poirot and all those kind of things, not the new movies, but like the original TV shows, the Miss Marples, all the things like those. I watched them and you're like, you have to know, you know, the basics of a murder mystery. And then um, this said, ah, not that doesn't matter. And the first time I watched it, I hated it. The second time I watched it, I was like, I know what's coming. So I'll just enjoy it for the comedy. And like, I did enjoy it as a comedy. And I like have said uh, in my letterbox review, I was like, yeah, no, actually, I really did like it. And I, I've changed my mind um, since then. I've gone closer to the middle of those two. Um, but then I watched this and felt like a lot of the same things. Feels like a man can't make a murder mystery. And that really bugs me. <laughs> like, I've seen so many of his mysteries at this point, and all of them, not just this, but like Brick and everything, all of them are like a little just, hey, I'm making a movie with the word mystery in it, and that'll be enough for you. Um, But in terms of like locations and everything and performances and everything, also boring. But I'll let you guys continue. <laughs> Um, so for me, I sort of see these as Ryan Johnson's Oceans movies in the sense that like, it really at this point isn't about doing like a really accomplished murder mystery so much as it is like, I have this amazing setting and these 10 celebrities picked up the phone this time. Let's all go here and just figure out what the fuck we're doing. And I think like as that, I liked this one a lot. I don't know if I really liked it as much as the original because I do think that the mystery in the original was a little bit more solid. Whereas this one is really boldly and blatantly a hangout movie, which is what I think specifically made Paul so angry was that like the mystery is so secondary to the point to where they even undercut the mystery like blatantly in one scene. But I do think that overall, it's just like clever and funny enough, just on a moment to moment, line to line basis, to where I was never not laughing, never not enjoying it. And I think that ultimately, that's the more important thing when it's this big franchise is just like, can it provide like a good crowd experience? And also, like, I do think that it's more of a social commentary vehicle than a vehicle for like a really compelling mystery. I know Paul's wants to puke. I don't care. Um, it's just like, it's but like, it's more like, it's more just like Benoit Blanc is Ryan Johnson, just sort of living amongst and inquiring upon like all the people that he's looking down on in, in like this scenario. And I think this was a good one. It made me want to see more. I think it, secured my thought that it could really work as a franchise see what this is let's just be clear knives out is a straight man's white lotus like we just need to be honest with that like you just have this ensemble cast that changes each time with one of the characters coming back and it's just a hangout movie with a light murder mystery aspect i enjoyed the first knives out i think the mystery is terrible i'm gonna be honest i think the first mystery knives out is like not good i think it's stupid it tries to like really get you on like oh there's not really a mystery but then oh there is one and there is a murder and blah 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 and like i get it but i don't think it's that clever i think the key there is that the original knives out is hysterical i think it's one of the best theatrical experiences i've had especially with a crowd like eating it up laughing at every scene i think it plays incredibly well Glass out or Glass Onion, similarly, has a pretty weak story, I would say, outside of one reveal that we will get to. 
I don't think the mystery is that captivating. I pretty much predicted every single thing that was going to happen. And the film didn't disappoint me in really any way um, with my expectations there. The issue is it's just not very funny, at least for me. And I, my audience seemingly agreed because there were very few laughs here. I went to the press screening, similar size to what Banshees of Inishirin got. Banshees had everyone laughing the entire time. Glass Onion did not. Um, it's just like, I don't know, I agree with you where he's trying to, Ryan Johnson's trying to insert a ton of social commentary, but also like, it's weird to make a murder mystery film and franchise when you're seemingly not that interested in having a murder mystery. None of the murder mysteries in either of these films have been that shocking or engaging. He tries to shock you and engage you with a turn on narrative to where it's not what you expect in some way. There's this big like narrative twist, but it's not necessarily related to the mystery. So by the end of this, and I think luckily it moves fantastically. I was shocked that this thing was over. I literally thought we were in the middle of the film and then it ends. But overall, like, I don't know, this one is not that great of a mystery, and it's also not that funny to where, like, I think it's fine if you're on Netflix. Like, I can see gathering with, around with the family to watch this, but I was like, oh, I am I will watch number three, but I'm not really excited for it. I don't know. This one just didn't do a ton for me, which kind of sucks because I think a lot of people are going to love this. I think yeah. part of what helps me enjoy these movies is that I think people have this very, like, strange perception of ryan johnson that he's just actively making every creative decision with extremely malicious and and narcissistic intent like he just sits there and he's just like what would be the biggest asshole thing for me to do to like make people as mad as possible like people think he really like sits there and intentionally like plots this shit out where like for me i just i think he does everything he does <laughs> it's just like it just comes off as so fun to me like i don't it doesn't really like seem that vindictive to me like it just seems like he's like my idea of fun would be to just set up a farce as a murder mystery or set up whatever the set up a star wars movie as a character study or like whatever weird inside out thing he's doing but to me it always just seems playful and then people just take it so intensely and people always like twist him into having these like evil mastermind motivations. Well, what I think is interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say what's interesting is I do think that there's like three types of, um, the same movie, same vibe happened three times where it's the sequel to something. Carson mentioned white Lotus. I would say the other one is, um, our movie of the year, uh, (laughs) death on the Nile. Um, but here's I wasn't going to bring it up. God damn it. No, I think it's important to bring up because I think all three, I don't find someone who likes all three. I don't think I've ever seen it. I think it ends up being, there's people who love glass onion are cool with white Lotus and didn't like, or vice versa, um, or didn't like death on the Nile. And I think there's just something about like where camp lies and where satires hitting. Um, I think mostly like, you know, um, it's just sensibilities are clashing a little bit, but it's very interesting to watch because I've had this exact same conversation with people on the defensive side for, um, you know, uh, death on the Nile where I'm like, no, but it's like a fun, dumb time. Like who cares? And people are like, no, it has to be a film. It has to be a movie. And then I'm like, well, this needs to be a film. It needs to be a movie. And they're like, no, it's a fun, dumb time. And like, I'm, I require both. Like, I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, in a position of where I, you know, 
can say that that's not how I think it's exactly, but um, it is interesting to see that that's becoming a thing more than um, in terms of like, I'll allow this in movies, but not this based on my own sensibilities, um, which I guess was a rise to the, from the cinema, cinema sense kind of people. Um, yeah, but like, like that... you know, if I don't like something, I'm going to tear it to shreds for stupid reasons. Sure. I think just like inherently though, it just depends on like, what do you find as fun? I personally scream when I see Gal Gadot dressed like Cleopatra on the Nile. And I'm like, this is the best <laughs> experience of my life. That speaks to me. I'm going to say as a gay man, I don't know if it's because I'm gay, but it feels that way. Like that <laughs> death on the Nile, I'm having a blast with. It's fine. If Glass Onion was fun, I would have no issues with it. But sadly, there's no Gal Good. Like, I don't find Peace and Love, Dave Batista like yelling around like an angry man. Like, I don't find that as fun as Gal Gadot, like being Gal Gadot in the wild <laughs> army hammer on the pyramids. Like, sorry. Well, and I do this find is why that, we're like, getting a three. This is why we're getting a full Gal Gadot Cleopatra movie. Yeah, <laughs> and I will be there opening night. I have goodles in my kitchen right now. We're giving, her, we're, giving we're giving it a pass now, but then hour three of I'm the queen of Egypt. Oh God! <laughs> I literally campaigned for Jared Leto to get Oscar nominated for House of Gucci. You need to understand, I will be the entire year campaigning her for Best Actress. And also, he's the only one, one of us who got in the Sundance. And Sundance is like, what are we doing here? <laughs> They're like, we really need someone that everyone just like hot takes on. So let's put him in. <laughs> someone to just really anger the people. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Uh, am I the drama? <laughs> when I give Morbius a fresh rating, but I don't give like women talking, like, yeah, I think I might be the problem. Oh, God. Um, I will say Glass Onion looks nice. Like, it shouldn't be shocking with it being Netflix and Ryan Johnson. Like the production design is nice. I like the artwork. <laughs> I like, like the, the costume. It's like where it gets it done as a, as a movie though. Like when, what Paul was saying, like how he doesn't think that like glass onion really fully like hits that cinematic mark. Like to me, I think the visuals and the presentation of it give it that elevated quality, even if the elevated quality isn't necessarily like, an incredibly complex mystery like the presentation and like like that opening scene where everyone's opening up the packages from edward norton and it's the split screen and all that that was like out of a comic book i which is so weird because if you read most people who love the movie that's their least favorite scene and i was like oh i was having fun then i was having a great time during that like when she's like trying to answer questions and she's just an idiot i was like this is so fun Kate Hudson, like, doing some really great work. And I just feel like we lost some of the characters uh, when they get on the island. Like, they're a lot campier. Like, <laughs> you know, having, like, the scientist, like, in his science, you know, uh, la- lab, like, <laughs> trying to solve this. I'm like, this is so dumb. I love this. And then, like, once they get out of their... Um, specific areas i think i lose a little bit of the uh charm of those characters um but overall yeah like it's even funny carson when you get a little more negative i'm like defensive of this movie i didn't like but i'm like it's very it's just weird because i like i kind of get it too i'm like okay yeah it's just it's one of those movies that i just feel like is not for me and i just have to accept that which is hard every movie yeah i mean because there's gonna be 10 more 
And I don't like hate this film. I want to be like clear. Like I did overall. I think want to say I enjoyed it, but like I I agree. I just don't think this is for me. For podcast listeners, Carson is wearing a a Ryan Johnson whodunit hat, <laughs> which I did not buy. They sent this to me, so let's be clear. I did not purchase this hat. For a second, when you said that, I thought you were saying that this movie is for podcast listeners, and I was like, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, you nailed it there. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I think the other interesting thing is I feel like we didn't build on Blanc's character that much outside of the reveal that he's gay. I don't know why I was holding it like a <gasps> surprise. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, which, Slay. Yes. Slay. Does nothing for me. Um, but... <laughs> I'm happy for him. I guess. Why doesn't it do anything for you, Paul? <sighs> because it feels. Do you like not a appreciate queer representation? No, it feels like a straight guy going. Well, he is a dandy, so. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig is starting a new uh, gay people movies era. With I know. There's something very weird. Like, okay, you know how we like slowly find out years and years later, like Cary Grant was like fucking around with like what is it, like Rudolph Valentino or something. Um, I feel like we're going to find this all out with like um, Rachel Wise and Daniel Craig. They're going to be like, they lived in the same house, but for the most part, they were just fucking the same sex. <laughs> like it's my one time, thing. So. I'm always like, you guys just keep going. You're like, it's either the worst case of like gay baiting I've ever seen, or they're like just being blatant. <laughs> Come to Clappercast where we make rumors about people, celebrities being gay when they're not. That is not a rumor. In our era. Because otherwise, I'm saying he's gay baiting, and that makes me sad. Because his entire oh. career right now is playing gay guys. <laughs> Even James Spoiler Bond alert. is gay. His version of James Bond is like, I fuck dudes. <laughs> like, Isn't it weird that everyone's like, oh, I'm so happy Benoit Blanc is gay. And yet when Billy Eichner makes bros, they're like, fuck him for <laughs> casting gay char- gay people, gay actors. How dare he? I'd say they um, should have Billy I'd say they should have Billy Eichner in the next Knives Out, but these days he probably wouldn't get cast. Oh my god. Yeah, after having that big a flop. <laughs> I will I say though... Right there. <laughs> I will say though on the whole, whole topic of him being gay, if they wanted to do a Holmes and Watson mystery <laughs> with the person they reveal is Benoit's boyfriend. I would be so excited for that. Well, that's what, um, Oh yeah. Uh, someone mentioned it. Oh, your, your girlfriend, Michael. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Said that it should be the fake Royal family. And I was like, that makes sense. But I, Oh do, yeah. 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 I do worry that now that the queen has dead, you can't really do it. Yeah. Unless you, Ugh, feels weird. Ryan Johnson would a hundred percent do. It. If people think that Ryan, this would be the Ryan Johnson personality that everyone thinks he has. Where like the he's going to be like, I started writing this the day the Queen died. I just had an outpouring of emotions towards the royal family, and I just had to let them out. We all know the best way to react to tragedy is through comedy. Like that's what that's who people think Ryan Johnson is. People think that he was doing a script reading for Knives Out Three at Lizzie's funeral. <laughs> He probably was knowing Ryan Johnson. I mean, Ryan Johnson is a monster, and I think we all need to admit it. First, he kills Star Wars. Now he's going <laughs> to kill the Queen again. Like one year, you know. 
It's actually wild how making one good Star Wars movie destroyed the entire franchise. <laughs> Listen, I we don't, don't want to get into my Star thoughts Wars. on Star Wars. It's like, you know how people are supposed to talk about politics? I've always felt that with Star Wars. Well, I haven't always felt that. With I Last Jedi, that definitely is. Last Jedi came out. Paul, imagine being me in my opinions, where I think the only good one is Rise of Skywalker. Like, what do you want? <laughs> okay, but... These like Rise of Skywalker <laughs> boys are like I'm starting to see this be a trend. It's not just you. I've seen a lot of people, and they think they're real fucking like they've got some some big new take. You know, I actually really like the Rise of Skywalker. That's my favorite. I've seen like I've talked to like four people who think this fucking pisses I, me off. Bitch, I was there before the embargo even broke, saying it was good. <laughs> like, let's be real, fuckers. I was there first. It's the new Return of the Jedi. It 100% is how, like, Return and of Jedi... Actually, like, and I've, I've already... This is definitely... You know what? Actually, we can pull it back because I will say something. Return of the Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker, both are, like, the ones where it just allows the movie to, like, be fun um, and be a little bit more about, like, hanging out with people, which I think part... The twist in this movie... Um, I guess we're moving slowly into spoilers, so... Um, spoiler section. <laughs> yeah, we can go into the spoiler okay. section. So spoilers um, from here on out. Uh, okay, so like the twist, I think really hurts Benoit's character because there's a Maybe whole what is the twist. You want to say it? <laughs> the, the twist. He was not invited to the island by Miles at all, um, and wasn't invited by someone else. He was fully aware that um, Helen, um, who is Janelle Monae's character. Um, had invited him and was pretending to be her sister, which is great. And like, as a twist, I was like, oh, that's clever. But my problem with it is it doesn't allow you to spend much time with uh, Blanc beforehand to start learning who this character is. You know, I would say my one negative about uh, Death on the Nile, one of my big negatives is the whole uh, setup on why he has a mustache. Um Scene. You don't like that part? Oh, so that's corny. shocking to me. No, that's like the that's the no. I like when it's just like sexy nonsense. The most um, masturbatory part of the movie is the part you don't like. I can't believe that. Oh, I'm I sure. thought you were being. A lot of people like it. So no, I like, know. People, I remember. I just I Alina likes the movie, like that reveal. But uh, I wasn't there with you when you watched it. But I just like when I saw no, it, scene, uh, I just imagined you being like, "Oh, this is great." No, but I did watch it on uh, film, which also I think helped me like that movie. It was like 70 mil, which was really cool. It had like, I know. Why did theaters have 70 mil copies of? Because it's artwork. Because <laughs> it's art. <laughs> it was so funny. Okay, but um, back to the movie. Um, so uh, Cassie has ostensibly committed suicide. And Helen is like, we got to figure this out. I think she was murdered. Um you come and I'll pretend to be Cassie and it's all fine. But I think it's at the expense of giving Benoit any sort of character arc, because once again, he isn't the lead character in his own movie. And we did this the first time um, with. Ana de Armas. Yeah. She used to be famous. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but they did it with Ana de Armas and I feel like it's the second movie in a row where our lead character doesn't 
do anything? Does he? He doesn't seem to solve much. It all seems pretty. And this is no. the second movie where it's just been like it kind of fell into his lap. He solves the no, fake mystery better guy. than the real one. What? He solves. No, I was the pissed. Pi- He's like a. Oh, go ahead, Michael. I, I was saying. I was saying he solves the fake mystery better than the real mystery. Yeah. <laughs> but why is he good here the, wasn't the joke in the first film like he's an incompetent detective who doesn't know anything and it falls into his lap and here he like sits down for dinner and he's like here's the angles that this would fire at and I'm such a good detective now I was like isn't the, I don't yeah no he's supposed to be a little bumbling in the first one but he keeps solving things um, which I thought was like part of the joke he's a bit uh, like uh, he's like Columbo from the Pink Panther movies or Columbo, like he pretends. Yeah, Columbo will work too. Um, and instead, he is very smart in this, but also he doesn't solve the mystery. It it's very much given to him. And I will say, when they have that line like, "Oh, there's you know the lights are going to go out, and you've left a loaded gun, and the lights went out," I knew who the killer was, and we proceeded to have another like fucking what 50 minutes of movie where i'm like you already told us who the killer is that wasn't a that i mean so it, do- it doesn't help when the killer is literally just the person who is the villain in the movie it's just elon musk <laughs> <laughs> like like that's why i don't even really criticize it as a mystery because the solution is so stupid that i just don't even really count it as a mystery it's just like a it's just like a trip pretty much. I will say one of my favorite things about, wrong. Uh, about this movie was I'm watching the watching it and I was like very sad about the um fact that they couldn't use this uh power and I was like they were like it could blow people up and I'm like yeah but we should keep trying it. Like I was very pro like see what happens. Like maybe don't market it to the whole world yet but like you know sure a lot of things were bad look at oppenheimer right look how exactly. that turned out <laughs> i don't know People if it turned out good even oppenheimer at first <laughs> now he's got a movie about him right i mean it was working fine if his entire like island was powered on it it was going fine and she had to throw a bomb into it i just uh, like yeah um, my biggest problem was like they didn't say there's no hope for it to be usable and that was like to me an issue because I was sitting there, I was like, okay, I understand he's a bad guy. But also it felt a little pointed. Paul's like, like give SpaceX a chance, guys. <laughs> no, 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 I no. I believe in Elon. Like, I think that a lot of the Elon stuff is very stupid, but this wasn't stupid enough for me. Paul's like, it like, wasn't like something that you're like, it's not buying Twitter and then saying that no one can link out of Twitter. <laughs> like, it's not the dumbest thing that you could do. Um, I also thought about that. I don't think we can link out our podcast anymore from Twitter. <laughs> I don't think we can link anything. I think it's over. But <laughs> um, we're not going on Hive. I'm sorry. Hive does not work. It's, I'm not doing that. I Twitter's thought Hive would like bumble a- for a second, and I was like, why not? <laughs> oh, you can find us on Grinder, by the way. Let's be clear. Clappercast. <laughs> we should do a Grinder exclusive. Oh, God. Sure. Aren't they making films now? Like, or Pornhub That's is or porn. Someone. Tinder has a <laughs> Tinder has um, a production company. Yeah, they do, and they make a lot of interactive movies, and I really like them. You have to log on to Tinder to uh, watch them, and it was like 
one of those things where if you miss an episode, you're like, I don't know what's going on anymore. It was very poorly made, but also I love interactive stuff. So I, I watched all the way through it. It was like an end of the world thing, but you like choose your own adventure. It was very fun. You know, you have a Tinder addiction when you keep up with your Tinder stories. The funniest part is I was like not using Tinder at the time. So I downloaded Tinder. I was the I was the reason they had it. (laughs) Like I ran out of streaming services. (laughs) Well, now that Quibi's gone, you know, Tinder's. Uh, Did I tell you one of my friends made a show for Quibi? And it was like one of those things. It's the weirdest thing in the world to like be jealous of someone. Chrissy's court. No, he made the oh. show with um, uh, the chick from Game of Thrones. Oh, the Sophie Turner one. Yeah, sure. he made that. Well, she, she was, was like a, on a mountain, right? She was like, yeah, she was. Mountain. He was the writer of it. Um, and it was very weird to go from like super jealous to like, oof, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big break, all right. Yeah. No, I mean, he's gotten to make a couple movies now. He's doing fine. Um. But no, like overall, wow, we really lost the plot a little bit. <laughs> I like Janelle Monet. I'll say I don't think she's like yeah. I think the biggest takeaway people are having is that Janelle Monet is incredible. I pushed back a bit because I'm like she's the only one in the movie who has like emotional substance, so it's not that hard to seem impressive when you're the only one doing something worthwhile. But I think she's good. It's no think- make. A, it's no making another album. That's for sure. That's what I have to say. That's what I have to say about her performance. She, she was, she's, she, I really did enjoy her. It's just whenever she acts, her music is just so much better. And I just sit there thinking about how much better her music is the entire time, even though she was terrific at this and very funny. I, and like, I do so think funny. That she definitely Me watching like, Lady Gaga and Joker too. Like she's going to be singing the whole time. So you'll be fine. I think she did a good job with the dual roles too, like making the two characters feel different. Yeah. Um, my biggest prop. Well, when you talk about that too, I feel like Janelle Monae in this isn't as career making as Ana de Armas in Knives Out, which um, I feel like is just weird in terms of her getting talked about for a best supporting actress kind of like nom is like, yeah, you, you won't like she's good, but I don't see it as like as impressive as, oh, I have no clue who this Ana de Armas is. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, she's the biggest star in the world. And then now she's who is Ana de Armas. But <laughs> I have nothing against Ana de Armas, but also like it would be blonde so did not funny. work out. Blonde really, really was a lot for me. <laughs> It would it's be so, so sad funny. that everyone was like, this is her Oscar. And now it's just like, well, who the hell is that? I don't know who <laughs> yeah. that woman is. It would be so, so funny if, if that John Wick spinoff comes out and people see the trailer and they're like, holy shit, Marilyn Monroe's in a John Wick movie? <laughs> How did that happen? It's like that movie that they were going to do where they were going to CGI James Dean to star in it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they, could but, um, Marilyn, they, could, they could deep fake Marilyn Monroe into a John Wick spinoff. <laughs> And it would That's be less ex- it would be less exploitive than blonde. <laughs> that would be a better oh, use of her image. Oh god. Um Yeah, I think she's fine. I think that you know, doing two performances is not 
the big deal that people are acting like it is. Like that's just acting. <laughs> Especially like, when not one like... of them is dead the whole time. Yeah. Um, and only has like a couple, like I think borderline silent. Um, I don't, does she ever talk? Maybe like, I think she line. has like one line in a flashback. Yeah. So like, is it really that impressive? I mean, I guess her performance as herself is supposed to be, you know what? This is like the exact opposite of that show, uh, Orphan Black, a couple of years ago, where like the impressive aspect of it um, was that Tatiana Maslany um, would do like nine characters and they were all having conversations with each other. And each one of them sounded different and looked different and had an overall performance that was different. Um, this is like doing a role where you're just playing your playing a character and then saying she's playing the other character is not like it's not that big a deal. But I also see that there's no one else that you can really rally around. And I feel like every movie now needs like and this is the person we would put up for our movie because then it gives the movie like a two pronged reason to watch it. Um I think that's what Wakanda Forever is doing right now with pushing Angela Bassett. Um, although I would say out of the two, I would prefer Bassett over Monet because at least Bassett Agreed. has like a couple like, you know, what are they? Barn burner performance. Yeah. It's like there's a couple moments where you're like, wow, that was great. To be but, honest, the person in Glass Onion who stood out the most to me by a mile was Kate Hudson. I thought she was by far the funniest and like I thought completely rolled my eyes when I heard she was going to be in it. I had no idea of like why we were grabbing Kate Hudson back out of nowhere and she blew me away. I thought she was absolutely hysterical and she just portrayed that like narcissistic anti-masker personality just so so well and just like when she came out in that first scene where they're on the dock and she had the Lana Del Rey sequins mask. I fucking lost it. She, she just she played the heel so well. And I think in a Knives Out movie, like pretty much everyone is playing heels, and like that, it should really be unless you're the Ana de Armas Janelle Monet role. You're pretty much a heel. And I think that everyone else sort of undercooked their performances. Kate Hudson knew what to do. She showed up. She came to play. I'm not going to lie. I'm like dying to see whatever she does next. Like when well, her and Glenn Powell were on actors and act on actors talking about like, we should do a rom-com together. I was I, a month ago. I would have been like, fuck that. Now I'm like, hell yeah. Let's get that, <laughs> let's get that going. Whatever she wants to be. And I'm watching it except for sing. Of course. No, not sing. Sorry. Music. <laughs> the scene oh God. <laughs> Not not circling back to that one, but anything else. <laughs> oh, music. Um, I always forget that she's in that. And it's like such a funny. Didn't she get nominated for a Golden Globe for it? Golden isn't Globe, her, yeah. Isn't her character's name like Zuzu or something? Yes. It's. We don't stand. Let's just like be clear. Stand. We do not stand music. <laughs> We're not. We do not like music. <laughs> As a whole, the whole genre <laughs> of music. <laughs> it's over, it's dead. Move on. Um, no, but I think like she's really great. And I think one of the issues is um 
I think Ryan's really good at casting, like picking cool people, but putting them in very thankless roles for the most part in these movies. Like you have mm-hmm. Catherine Hahn and you give her the straight woman. Like it's Catherine Hahn. Catherine and she's Hahn always nothing. She's always been quirky. And like instead, I also just like the whole conceit of this movie that it, these people would still be friends does not compute to me. Like yeah. as soon as there is a right wing YouTuber, he's not befriending a politician. And like, uh, is, uh, I I, not, I see I see that as plausible. Given, he's so annoying. The world, all of them are so annoying. It doesn't matter. Just, it's a status thing. Like, like I I I did see I did see that as like as feasible. Yeah. Even if maybe I don't think Dave Batista was necessarily like the most believable person to like portray that that um archetype but i think that like the principle of it is a little too close to it you think (laughs) (laughs) you you know never forget at my press screening people behind me my friend like we're talking about how dave batista they're like oh maybe i'll get so drunk i thought he was hot i'll think he's hot and i for some reason was like dave batista is hot yeah i literally turned to them i was like you guys are like denial's not just a river in egypt like he is hot and then like he's not hot in this role i'm gonna be honest so watching him come on i was like oh I really said that was not <laughs> intended. I don't stand by it, but now like, what do I do? I seem very strong. You like turn like, back around. That. You're like, you were right. I apologize. I was <laughs> kidding. It was a joke. Cause he I was, inserted myself into their conversation. He was absolutely hysterical though, which of course, Ryan was like, he has to die halfway in. He's, <laughs> he's being far too funny and his lines are too well written. <laughs> Well, maybe we should transition if we're talking about characters into our tier ranking of the characters, which we're doing. If you are watching the visual version, you'll visually see this. If you're not, our rankings are instant icon. I liked them. They were there. Forgettable and immediately no. Um, And let's start out, I think, with probably the easiest one, considering we've already talked about her. Uh, Kate Hudson as Birdie. Are we saying icon or like where? I'm saying icon for sure. She blew my mind. I'm gonna say I liked the Stan Kate Hudson. Yeah, I would probably agree with Paul that I liked them. But I love that you loved her, Michael. I think that's like, you know, valid. <laughs> Great. For I don't you. it was just it was just she understood the assignment. She knew what we were here to do. I need everybody in the next knives out to be in the movie Kate Hudson was in. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean that's a good argument. Um, what about Benoit Blanc, specifically now the gay Benoit Blanc compared to the first film? Well, to me, you know, sexuality doesn't define <laughs> who you are as a, as a person. You know, I, I I see people as deeper than that. So I already had him as an icon. And, you know, the, if he wants to be gay, if he wants to be out, I say, go he on. wants then. to be <laughs> If he's making that choice. <laughs> I, say, I say, go on then, Benoit. Go off. He's an icon to See, me for sure. Paul's going to do the same spiel you did about sexuality and then be like, I'm going to put him in immediately no. <laughs> I was really right. about to say immediately no. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I also agree that he's an icon. No, 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 no. Um, I'll put him in, I'll put him in icon. Okay. He's the only icon. reason you come for these movies. Sure. Also, you know what's he, funny? I, um, I remember not to go back to the White Lotus again, but I remember when 
the White Lotus season two cast came out and I was a little disappointed. I remember when this cast came out and I was like, oh, this is a good cast. And like after watching both, there's they were flipped. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, because it became the power a of fans a... of a lot of people that I really liked it. A bunch of people in this. I'm like, yeah, they sure were there. I think some people came into this a little. I think some people came into this a little complacent. Like everyone in the mm. White Lotus came to play. Like that's their big, big chance. Like being something popular. Yes. This, like um, this, this, like a bunch of these were definitely just like, yeah, sure, I could be in Greece so that during the pandemic. Yeah, why not? Exactly. Well, speak of the witch, Leslie Odom Jr. is Lionel. I'm gonna Ooh. say I think he was like there. I have I him. Know. He's Definitely like a scientist. Who. I don't even remember his character outside of like his poster. His I have him under poster. immediately no. He's immediately oh. no for me. Honestly, Hamilton is a DQ in itself, if we're being completely <laughs> honest. But like, even putting aside the fact that he appeared in Hamilton, just his character in the movie, um, I think that, like you said, he just, they wrote nothing for him. I don't really, like, like if, I, if I'm being serious, he, I do think he's a good actor. I thought he was terrific in One Night in Miami. This movie, this yeah. character, I don't remember a single personality trait he had. I don't remember a line he said. Bro my was favorite, just standing there. So, my yeah, favorite part about this for me. Is that he also was in Murder on the Orient Express, and I can't remember him being in Murder on the Orient oh, Express. Oh, he was. <laughs> this man is just the who of people. <laughs> he really just like shows up and does nothing. He, he was also no in music. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I guess he was. God. Wow, the music connections—they just keep on coming. <laughs> this and was a music the... reunion. <laughs> he's in the. If you look in the background, see us uh, everywhere, just like. <laughs> popping up she's the easter egg is how many times sia pops up <laughs> i think sia would be great in knives out three genuinely sia should have sang like the theme song for this like the bond theme you know what <laughs> that's also what it needs it does and i know that would connect it to bond a little too much but i feel like it does need like a fun like you know uh very corny bond-esque theme for yeah, each one agreed. of these and honestly, I don't. Even, if Craig had a problem with that, he would be the one being uppity. To be honest, like, who cares? I mean, yeah. Moving on, we have Janelle Monae as Helen. I guess technically Andy also, but let's just no, go no, with no, Helen. no. Let's separate them. <laughs> well, we have one picture, so <laughs> we're splitting it. Okay, um, oh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, they were there. I, I liked them. I liked them too. <laughs> I, no, she was. I I did enjoy her performance. I, I I think she was definitely given some of the best material, and she did a good job. I thought. I, just, I love her, on her comeback end, episode her to try to get people to like us. We're like Janelle Monae was average. We like Rise of Skywalker and Death on the Nile is better than <laughs> right, right. Like we're really gonna get the audiences this time. You know what though? There are people that think that, and at least we're being different. Um, okay, so no, but I will say um, with Janelle Monae. Um, I feel like I really liked her until her monologue at the end was real not good. Like I thought actually her performance of it was like a little like, oh, Ryan wrote the script and you've read it and practice it. And now you're doing the performance versus like it being realizations and like discussions and things. Um, and all the breaking of the glass. No, I'm going to, 
Okay, I'll do. I liked them, but that's that's it. Final final offer. Okay. Well, what about Duke Cody, aka Dave Batista? Immediately the, no. They were there. I'm fine with immediately no. I I very no, yeah. I very loosely say they were there until they were not there. Um, but, <laughs> okay. But I also have to. I have to talk. Okay. Now that we're talking about him, I have to talk about the most annoying part of this whole movie. If one of your friends is deathly allergic to something, your cocktail does not include that. And I don't care if they're the whole point was, oh, they're so, you know, um, into themselves that they didn't even think about that. He wasn't planning to murder him. They had something that could murder their friend instantly. And they're like, oh, we'll have it on the island. That does not happen. It's not a real thing. And it was like when it when they revealed that, I was like, what? Are you, like, it's so, like, scripted. Like, <laughs> even if, you know, like, say you're allergic to peanuts, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I have this whole spread of food. There are peanut butter cookies right there. You know, those will kill you. But the rest are fine. You don't do that. It's a bare minimum, like, not even, like, being a human, but, like, <laughs> it's just stupid. It's so stupid. I also think that's, like, one of the worst moments of the screenplay. Because it's so, like, obviously thrown in there. And you're like, oh, okay, we got it. And then, like, ruins everything. It, like, I hate that. Yeah. I I'm actually thought that he was going to get killed some other way. And they thought it was going to be the pineapple. And it was like, oh, you know, he had this pineapple. And then they look and he's, like, a jugular slit or something. And I was like, this will be funny. Nope, nothing. Well, what about the villain of the film, Miles Braun, played by Edward Norton? He's also an I, I liked like him. him. Yeah, he's also I liked yeah. him. I think he does. I mean, Ed Norton is someone who I feel really bad for because I think he's a piece of shit and it's really hard to be a piece of shit. Um, sure. And then continue on being a great actor. Um, and yeah, I liked him. I think I think he does the best. Honestly, he probably does one of the stronger performances because like um you know when we talk about like the marvel villains that like you go i can kind of see what you're trying to do like he does that for so long and then they're like no he's really dumb and you're like oh okay but like i believe i knew he was the bad guy but also i was like i can believe he has morals and then it's like no he doesn't yeah i agree i thought he just done performance wise he played the just arrogance and just like a narcissism of it all really well but that's just Mm -hmm. edward norton like in every role. I know it's probably it just, just Edward Norton, but yeah, like he it, just showed up. And it, was... <laughs> it was definitely just great casting, but, yeah. but it, he, he was good. I, I do usually enjoy him. And it, I think this was definitely, this is one of the bigger roles he's had in, in a while. I don't even really remember that except whatever random fucking Wes Anderson shit he was in. Like, I don't, I don't really remember the last like big Edward Norton thing um it was that movie that i liked and no one else did that sounds right brooklyn <laughs> oh motherless Min- motherless oh. brooklyn oh god i Which, hated that film you I would really like that it. that's such I a yeah that's very brooklyn. paul that is the most you ass movie to oh like. i'm sorry gugu mbatha Ra was in it of course i'm gonna like it like Fair. it was a good cast if i remember correctly paul's like week one of my birthday month motherless brooklyn now <laughs> 
add it to the list every Mother. no we'll do it every week you know it's like one of those things where we rewatch it and see what we learned the second third and fourth time oh like it might take a month just to get through it like yes. the paul blart mod mall paul blart mall cop 2 podcast yes yeah. where they watch it what are they watching that uh they're watching that one every year until they die but there was another podcast that watched something every week for a year Se- they watched sex in the city too i believe it was yeah. every single week for a year so and they saw cats every day in the theater for two weeks straight which sounds like my dream yeah that's pretty really much like what you what... two did anyway yeah i <laughs> i saw it five times in theaters we cannot <laughs> expose on this podcast that both me and paul like for new fans are cat stands like we can't do this and then say glass onions bad you're <laughs> not saying glass onions bad i'm just saying glass onion needs it you know what it is you Over think glass on... onion or cats is better he thinks cats. okay yeah, I mean, I I that's <laughs> well, let's yeah, see what just happens. 50s. Let's see what happens in Knives Out Three. Taylor Swift might be directing oh, it at God. this point. Imagine at the Eras tour, the lights go down. The first song is Macavity. I would. All I'm saying. Yes. Imagine at the no, Eras tour, the li- lights go down and she just plays Glass Onion from beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I really like this movie. I thought we could take a look at it. <laughs> she just sits down in the screen and watches. Thank you. Taylor's like, I love Ryan Johnson and all the boyfriends leave. and The entire stadium is silent except Taylor Swift, who is laughing at every joke. Right, exactly. The next one, so our original category for Forgettable was Who? And I specifically created it for this character, Peg. Jessica Henwick is Bertie's assistant. I don't know what else they do in this film. Who? Who are they? They're Forgettable. I'm giving Jessica they were there because I like Jessica a lot. I think she's fantastic. Um, and I think that as per usual, she was given an, an incredibly underwritten and bad role, but because Jessica Henwick, that's just her curse in life. She gets a day were there for me. Okay. And that one scene with, she did have incredible chemistry with Kate Hudson and the sweatshop scene, her re- reacting in that sure. scene was very good. And I think makes half for uh, half of the comedy in that oh. scene. <laughs> Paul's ready to strike you down. No, that actually is another one of the parts. There's so many holes in this movie. So like we're supposed to feel bad for her character because she's taking the fall for that. Theoretically. Yes. But she fucked up. Like, I don't understand. That was one of those moments where I was like, no, but she's in the wrong here. Like, it's her fault. But she was stupid. It wasn't like malicious. She's no, just stupid. but like, why wouldn't she take the fall? You're just saying because someone didn't do it maliciously, they don't have to take the fall. Because she's likable. Because she's like an icon. Um. By the way, I'm going to put her in. I liked them. Actually, I, I remember. How? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I guess they go in the middle with they were there, but it was quite. <laughs> she quite literally has the same role in this that she does in the gray man. It is the ex- exact same. That's character. not a compliment. <laughs> it is to me. Oh, Carson, I forgot to tell you. I'm the lone fan of the Gray Man. I, I love that. I I saw the Gray Man. I was like, this is such a goofy, fun little time. And if it was if it was directed like by Simon West and not the Russo brothers, it would have virtually all ironic five star ratings on Letterboxd. The only reason people don't like the Gray Man is because they have a thing with the Russo brothers and they want to like be 
like they they want to be they want to be the one with the most like film twitter take <laughs> about like what did you the, like cherry no that sucked shit okay good spot. okay no that was the worst well i still need to watch the gray man i want to by the end of the year so i will get back to you on my thoughts it's just Not like hopeful, you're gonna watch but... them be like this is fine people make it into out to be like it's the worst thing and it's just face off with ryan gosling and uh chris evans well that's really promising actually (laughs) yeah it's like not as not like as crazy or campy as face off but it's like the same like spy versus spy there's some fun like action stuff in there people are just i don't know people were pissed off because of joe russo's latest comment about how movies should be accessible to everybody (laughs) sure (laughs) do you like gray man or knives out two better Ooh, I mean, probably Glass Onion over the Gray Man, but I the the Gray the pardon me the Gray Man definitely it, the Gray Man has definitely topped several other like high profile twenty twenty two movies on my okay. ranking. That three that that Valor. solid three stars for the Gray Man <laughs> has it leapt over several other big ones that I gave two and a half stars. Like the sure. wh- the Whale versus the Gray Man, the Gray Man clears. Wow yeah i mean that's not hard to do eh? <laughs> right like okay I mean, but the whale was gray in his own right i guess that's true <laughs> uh, next we have Catherine hahn as claire she's a politician who she's who for me <laughs> yeah i agree i, I love Sally iconic for what <laughs> paul loves co- politicians <laughs> yeah no, um, I'll go with I liked them. She's a who. She had a couple because, funny yeah. lines. I just know she can do shots. so much better. She can do so much better. She can do so much better. Literally, but, her know, and Leslie Odom Jr. go to the corner of that pool and they do not leave it. Literally. That's just all they do. That's it. And they There's say, a, they, say a bu- they say a bunch of lines for the trailer. Like, I'm sorry, what are we yeah. really doing here? Like, that's that's. I genuinely think they were. They went to Ryan Johnson. They were like, how little can we do to be in this movie? Like, we'll give you whatever lines you want, but just like, we don't want to be in it. We just want a trip to Greece during the pandemic, which is valid, but I don't know. Forgettable. My issue with her character actually, and Leslie Odoms is the glass breaking scene at the end. I don't, I just don't buy. This is the same as the pineapple juice. I don't buy that these characters who knew that their friend actually invented something and still fucked her over find out she was murdered and really care that much like they're like we didn't even want you at the party and then they're like oh she got murdered for the same thing that we already knew about (laughs) like it's just very much like a eh Um, and I really struggled when we were just supposed to get that they are good people all of a sudden. It's the exact opposite problem, um, which I don't really have a problem with Knives Out and that everybody just kind of gets fucked and it's fine. Um, that works for me. Um, whereas this one, I was like, why are these people suddenly getting like, you know, uh, allowed to have been like a free pass, basically. But. Valid. Lastly, we have Madeline Klein as Whiskey. I'm going to make the argument of Instant Icon. She is a queen. 
She is the only one other than Janelle Monet to get like an emotional arc. She is an icon. She has an arc. If you like, sure, yeah. She yeah. like doesn't want to be with Duke, but is trying for her career. And then she has like a great moment with Janelle Monet. Like this is very similar. If you watched Big Brother, The Amazing Race, Survivor with me, like the like the blonde icon, the blonde straight woman is who I like worship at the altar of. And I think whiskey's an icon. So people just pull that clip out. <laughs> <laughs> sure uh, blonde republican woman that's carson's type <laughs> honestly i'll stand <laughs> let's be real but you know He's what like, i kind of wish carrie lake would run for president <laughs> oh no i mean <laughs> i can't say the worst on the ballot i can't say that i'm any better because she's an a high i liked them for me like not quite icon Good. but like right on the verge and i had oh, like i like them what what show is she from? Is she from Virgin River? I know she's Quintana. from one of those. Wait, is she? Yeah, she's from one of those Netflix shows. That My I friend really was the uh, scriptwriter for that show. See, Paul, don't you want to support your friend and make her an instant icon on this list? Sure. <laughs> but she was incredibly funny. It just like, I, I do agree with you also. She just had like one of the clearest takes on what her because character she- would be. Because she feels like she was there and she wanted to prove herself. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take this role. It's not just a free vacation. Like she's trying to make herself like a star. And you can feel like just an effort there that is missing from like everyone else. She was also in Boy Erased. Remember that movie? Sadly, (laughs) I wish I could erase it from my memory. I remember watching it being like, hmm. Although it was a moment where I was like, Troy Sivan actually could act and we need to start utilizing that more. Oh, and then he just never did anything else acting. Yeah, wise. now he's in the new uh, weekend show. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, the idol. Yeah, he is. He'll probably die in season one. Yeah, probably one season one of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gonna do it for our tier ranking. I think that's a pretty good list. So, I we didn't have anyone we outright hated, which I guess is a positive. Ryan, congrats on creating good characters. Um, with. Good. Wasn't there that other guy? I don't have anybody else on my. Oh, the roommate. Yeah. Oh, oh not on the. I don't have a icon. picture for him, but it's yeah, it's an icon. Sure. <laughs> He's number Carson one. Let's go find a picture and be like the roommate. And they were. I'm roommates. shocked they didn't give them. Can you believe they gave Mona the Mona Lisa painting a character poster, but not him? That's um, not. That's right. dirty. Yeah. I also really hate that scene. That's my truth. What a sad year for the Mona Lisa between that and the soup cans or like just paintings. <laughs> they in haven't general. thrown it on the Mona like, Lisa wow. yet. Um, Soon, hopefully. <laughs> I have a whole, um, you know, it's funny. I have a really fraught relationship with the Mona Lisa because I get very, this is because I personally turn everything anthropomorphized, but I get so sad. So if you've never been to the Louvre, um, there's the Mona Lisa, but on the other side, there's another painting and I get so sad for that other painting the painting on the other side of the mona lisa imagine you're like doing your best you're a painting you existed for all these hundreds of years you're behind the mona lisa which apparently isn't really the real mona lisa because that got exploded this quite literally sounds like the concept of a pixar movie (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) i went to the louvre and was like depressed i was like oh there's a painting on the other side 
you're like the yeah i mean that makes total sense for who you are as a person that you'd have like an emotionally charged <laughs> well, i also i also stuff. got emotional when the mona lisa burned up i was like and it's not even real but it was upsetting <laughs> and then there was sad. the the only part of the ending that i didn't like is when ryan johnson did the like quentin tarantino thing where like if you don't get what the thematic visual metaphor is we're gonna have one character literally start pointing her finger and going the mona lisa burned because you thought that you could protect it but instead you're gonna be the one who destroyed them i was like come on (laughs) well i think ryan johnson just isn't a good screenwriter like have you ever considered this guys i also went to the bathroom during one scene and so I missed why the Mona Lisa kept opening and closing. Was there a reason for that? It was like oh, a it was just like a security glass. system. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just have the security glass on at all times? So you can really see it. And know? plus, it makes a cool sound. Yeah. Like that's really why. You're not getting the genius of Ryan Johnson, Paul. I really need you to kind of try a little bit. Harder no, I here. do feel like he needs a co-writer. That's my truth. Um, and I think a lot of writers need co-writers, and I think that yeah. that's okay. Um. I want him but to like go... he needs someone he needs someone who will help him with his comedy and also his plotting. So he needs to hire Mike White. Genuinely. Just like get Mike White to write, <laughs> Ryan Johnson to direct. I mean, ideally Mike White can just direct, but if we need Ryan Johnson, let's throw him in the director's chair. There you go. <laughs> I want him to I want what him I'm to getting go... at is if the glass onion was the white lotus. Yeah, if we could Although, have this take place at a one hundred million percent, fucking Ryan's gonna use Jennifer Coolidge in the next Oh, yeah. out and be like she's mine now <laughs> well she's available he's he's gonna write for her to like successfully get on a boat from a bigger boat <laughs> you know because that's how ryan thinks. ryan thinks that way how do we like piss people off well <laughs> he's malicious like that oh man <laughs> i think he's miles or ryan johnson <laughs> ryan johnson <laughs> killed star wars paul (laughs) i think he just needs to like really like understand that he is a soderbergh versus a like agatha christie where like Um, where he's like so rude of soderbergh well i just mean in the sense that i think if ryan johnson were to be less of a like this is my masterful whodunit who will it be what the this winding mystery box and more just like this is a fun movie where a bunch of pretty idiots say stupid shit in a beautiful location. And then something fun happens at the end. I think, I think his like style of writing would go down so much easier if he didn't try, if they didn't try to like frame him as this like genius writer. When I I I really don't think he even thinks he is. I think that's more just like the marketing of him because that's just sort of like, Um, no, Okay, but Film Twitter loves it. They think Here, here's the other thing. Um, I would say a lot of it <laughs> is his overall face really gets me. That oh. red hair, fucking beat up a ginger. And as a former ginger, <laughs> I feel like I can say that. <laughs> I was very annoying when I was red haired, and my body was like, "No, no, no, let's go with a a blonde." <laughs> I was I had bright red hair. It was like a strawberry blonde. Yep. I can see it. It's it's not yeah, that unbelievable. Fine. Yep. And if I you grow up my beard, like it becomes red. I was thinking so, the same like, thing. I didn't want to say it. 
No, Wait, I was like, what? it's kind of giving like self hatred. You kind of <laughs> look like you kind of like Ryan Johnson. Like, no, oh no, I, I've seen. No, it's the smile. I don't have his smile. He's like smug. We could probably have filmed this and just said you were Ryan Johnson, and people would believe it, and it would have got way more clicks. <laughs> he doesn't really smile. He kind of goes like, yeah. He only smiles when he thinks of ways to re- you know be malicious to the fans. <laughs> That's the only time he's he smiling. remembers <laughs> destroying Star Wars. <laughs> Every night he smiles as he jerks I, off. His I would say the last Jedi, thinking about what he did. Um, that we've been we able to both. be, we've been able to be chaotic for so long, and now that we're putting this on YouTube where there's comments, <laughs> it's over. Like honestly, any any will I have for this has gone. And Carson will read them out on the podcast. They'll be like, please. Um, no, I think. Like, okay, as an overall wrap-up, I'm curious what you guys want for the third one. Carson. None. No, <laughs> I don't want one. Just like, I don't know. What do you want from end. me? Like, I want it to be funny, and I want it to have a good murder mystery. We've not accomplished both these tasks yet, so. I agree. I think that's my biggest thing is, um, I think I want, so if we're going to go more abstract, I think my biggest thing is I want Benoit to finally have some character plots. And you know what? I'd also like him to start, if he's going to be Hercule Poirot, um, one of the things I really like about Hercule is that he has Hastings, who's his assistant. And they haven't done Mm -hmm. those in um, the Brana movies either. But like, he's kind of like the Robin to, uh, you know, Poirot's Batman. And I think I would like that character. And they keep doing it with like a different person related to the mystery. It's like, no, it'd be fun if it was like, you know, give him a little assistant who's like, you know, basically doing similar to what, um, uh, forgot her character name. Peg. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Peg was doing in this where she just like kind of there and like maybe helps with some things, but for the most part is just like there to be a bounce off point because I don't think I get enough from him. Um, which is really frustrating because Craig is doing great work. I'm also glad that they didn't do the thing where he has a different accent every movie. Well, that was going to yeah, be really same. I, I, I think it'd be very natural to get that by just bringing his boyfriend along. Like, I genuinely think, like, have them go on a cruise together and then have, like, someone die and then they think it's his boyfriend or something. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, a very natural way to you get think, an emotional arc. You think we're going to be allowed to have a gay murder well, mystery that was the next part. I want a 10 minute scene of them like graphically fucking. In the <laughs> I think Ryan, listen to me, Ryan, it would piss a lot of people off. <laughs> I just um, think I, about it. I also am curious. Um, like the last one I know, like hit people with the politics. I think this one hits with the politics less. Way less. Be- because it's also dated. Like the other one we were like, in the middle of all that when that came out. Um, and now we're past COVID, basically. I say, as I may have COVID, I don't have COVID. Uh, <laughs> I've tested three times. I mean, um, I think that's something that more is apparent to you in the moment seeing it right now. But I think when people look back and watch them as oh, a series, you're just going to be like, oh, this is a text of this era of time. I guess, but if you watch Children in Cages, no one even remembers that argument that whole conversation as like a like thing. Like we still remember the atrocity of it, but we don't remember it being like a thing people thought about. I remember like, 
Did you say I do? I do. A hundred percent. Okay. No, like, like, I mean, maybe I'm just more chronically online than anyone in this. In this no, I know. But like, I don't like, think like, we like, but it's not like still part of the cultural lexicon. Like, we're not like, hey, that was a thing. Like the, um, you know, the, the Russia investigation where we still talk about it, like even after it's been passed, um, it just didn't really hold. So like when you watch that scene, you're like, okay. And um, yeah, but I think overall, um, if he wants to do politics, he's got to get a little more pointed and a little less Adam McKay, because that's the vibe I get is very What's the like, issue with this one specifically like the last one look at like the worthiness of the morals or politics he's like exploring like he's making a very clear statement like immigrants and like he's very directed and focused and like he finds fun with it but it's something of value here he's like oh rich people are bad oh look at the alpha male youtuber like it's not like point it's not poignant it's not like but the first film was even to like a way greater extent i, I don't know I think for me, what I want, I want two things. I want, no one said it yet, I'll say it. I want the Hugh Grant and Daniel Craig team up. I like maybe them being boyfriends complicates that in some way, but you can't tell me that Daniel Craig and Hugh Grant solving a mystery together isn't a fantastic 10 out of 10 movie. Like that. Oh, no, I'm very excited about his butler. They've got to do that. And then the other thing is that I think this kind of speaks to what you guys are saying. I think he needs to find like a very different point of satire from just these weird rich people. I think like that's getting so played out with it's becoming a trope in itself with triangle sadness and the white Lotus and everything. I think the best thing they could do for the next knives out is to find a different topic altogether. It's like something that has nothing to do with, the haves and the have-nots. Imagine that the, the uh, that mysteries have other topics, and like have him just solve something that is simple and fun, and like can has that have the elements of social commentary, but kind of in a different in a different web in a different structure. That's what I'd like because if it's just another like family unit of wealthy like assholes from X Y Z twitter thing i think it's gonna really fall apart the third time i think it has to because well, there's no twitter put them sure, on a carnival point. cruise right, there's no exactly. halves there this is the like put them on a carnival cruise it's the answer <laughs> honestly why yeah. would you do a carnival cruise why carnival specifically that? i feel like they're well i don't know my perception of the cruise brands is that they're the most walmart of them yeah i think but maybe i'm wrong that would I feel be like a disney cruise, a cruise is like expensive You've never been on a cruise ball? No. I get seasick, but I've been on one. Yeah, I've been on one. I want to get seasick. I do horribly. I've been I on just like Jennifer Coolidge. Wow. Um, you're like I didn't, but I just punch myself in the stomach so I can be like Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs> I want to relate to her so badly. <laughs> I take Epicac. <laughs> like it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's um, a twenty year plan. It's gonna work out in the end. Oh God. Um. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, could be Hugh Grant. Um, I am curious about how that'll play because like, I feel like there's a reason that it's so toned down in this one. And I would guess it's because they were like, we're marketing this to Asia and it's huge. He can be a dandy man, but he can't. (laughs) 
I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it is convenient how you could just edit that out really easily. You yeah, know? almost like they will in most countries. <laughs> or <laughs> a lot of people are going to comment that it's his this. butler. Our big Brazilian fan base is going to comment on this. Like, what are you talking about? Hugh Grant isn't in this at all. Right. <laughs> like, well, okay. So um, our good friend, the film drunk, um, wrote me when they announced the gay reveal. And I was like, okay, who's his boyfriend? And he goes, Lakeith Stanfield. So I told, let's say 20 people that it was Lakeith Stanfield. And then I hear from someone else who had seen the movie. It's not Lakeith Stanfield. To which I go back and I'm like, hi, he said it was Lakeith Stanfield. And he was like, I don't remember saying this. <laughs> There's a few reveals this year. It. He does not remember writing me Lakeith Stanfield. It's like one of the funniest things because I just lied to so many people. <laughs> the, first I told and only time, more. the first and only time Hugh Grant and Lakeith Stanfield will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite part is, though, I kind of like it more than Hugh Grant. No, I was same. Like, I kind of got bad. I was like, "Oh, that'd yeah. be cute." I'm They're like enemies to lovers. They it's weren't cute. even really enemies in the first one. They were just kind of working together. No, he doesn't like him. It's like oh. it's like set like just in the sense of like until he a, wants to fuck him, which apparently yeah, never happened yeah, because right. it's Hugh Grant. Maybe they recast the character mm, between Tiff and Louise, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> everyone else is like. <laughs> Oh, Ryan. no, I was saying they recast. It's supposed to be Lakeith's character, but now he's played by Hugh Grant. <laughs> Maybe. that You know, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, do we have any final thoughts on the film we would like to share? I will say I think you're probably going to enjoy this when you watch it on Netflix today with your family. I don't think it's necessarily great, but it's not for me. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's. I think it's also perfect for what they're doing with it. You know, a lot of people were like whinging about it, not going to theaters, which I understand, but also it is perfect for like, we just ate Christmas dinner. Let's all sit around and watch, you know, knives out too, which I love how no one even calls it glass onion. (laughs) Like people just call it knives out, which we're going to get to like the sixth one. And people are still going to be like the knives out movie. Yeah. But I guess that's what we do with things like mission impossible. We never call them Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. We're just like the new one. It's like Madden NFL. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. It's very much like, you know, as as long as you're on fairly stable political ground with your family, which is a big ask in itself, I would say, like, it's definitely worth watching um, post-Christmas dinner. But I also, like, I do think that what they did with, theaters for a week and then Netflix for the holidays is definitely the route, but instead do it for like two or three weeks because it definitely showed itself to be a movie that people actually care to see, which is kind of unbelievable in this current like day of just people not wanting to see anything that isn't like a certain big budget thing. Like I do think that I get why people were hemming and hawing about it, not being in theaters after seeing how well it did. But it is also just, it's such a, like, background, like, like um, atmosphere movie, too. So I kind of, I do get it. I do get both sides of that. But I do think, overall, it just worked really well for me. I probably liked it the most out of everybody here. It definitely seems that way. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, like, it's also one of those movies that I 
I fault people for liking movies sometimes. This is not one of those. Like, if we were talking about, say, the menu. I get actively annoyed when people like the menu. Uh, I remember. (laughs) Oh, I know. I just, this is like, I'm like, sure. It's the same. You know what it is? Um, I'm Aubrey Plaza in the White Lotus going, I don't watch Ted Lasso. It's those kind of like, it's just like, it's very much that vibe. Like, sure. I'm very happy for you. It just does nothing for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, So that's going to be it for the review. Let's go into our question of the week because it is Christmas today. I wondered, I wanted to ask, what is everyone's favorite movie to watch on Christmas? And I will start with The Polar Express, because I love The Polar Express. It's the first film I remember seeing in theaters, which ages me. I'm young. Hi, hello. But, um, which ages me. Second, <laughs> it does. Wait, did you um, say it's the first movie you saw in theaters? I remember. Wait, this is cute. Keep going. Oh, thank you. It is. It's, well, it's also just like a cute film. I think the iconography and soundtrack is like iconic. Maybe it's because I grew up with it. My favorite thing is how in elementary school, every year for Christmas, one classroom does like an elaborate performance of the Polar Express and it's weird, but like they do it. Love that for them. I don't know. I think the Polar Express is adorable and I think it works well, even if the animation is a bit wonky in the faces, but like that's kind of charming in its own right. Um, so that's mine. Paul, what movie do you like watching on Christmas? The first movie I ever saw in theaters. Aww. Muppet Christmas Carol. So look at us. Yeah. Um, specifically in the extra section of Disney Plus, they now have the full length version of the movie and you watch it. And I watched it for the first time since I was a kid. And I'm like, this is so dumb that they cut this out. You watch the movie and you're like, legitimately you need this moment so bad. Um, I think like for a lot of people, you'll watch the original and you'll be like, it's a four star movie. You watch it with the song and you're like, this is perfect. This is five star because it has references. It explains things. It has that emotional hit where everything else gets to be like happy. And if you don't have that, it was just a very, it's overall like the Christmas Carol ends up being very happy till the last scene. If you don't have, um, you know, uh, the Love is Gone, which I think is one of the greatest songs ever written. So mine is The Muppet Christmas Carol. But specifically, watch the <laughs> watch the one with The Love is Gone added. Um, yes, and I'd recommend anyone who hasn't listened already, our review last year we did of A Muppet's Christmas Carol. I where think it was last I fought December. for something that I got the next year. <laughs> it's not even a Monkey's Paw situation. I just got it. <laughs> Disney loves you, Paul. Michael, what do you like to watch on Christmas? So your guys' choices are definitely... Ha- they have... Uh, um, I want to remember my childhood energy. Not so much for me. My choice is always The the Night Before, Seth Rogen's um, holiday movie okay. from several years back. That is one of my favorite Christmas movies, legitimately. The fuck is this? It's with him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony Mackie. Um, it's actually like I'm not I'm not like joking. It is a really really good movie. It's directed by Jonathan. It's a three point one. <laughs> I know it didn't get the best reviews when it came out. It's directed by the same guy who made. Um, oh, I like him. Except he yeah. did Long Shot. He made 50-50 with Seth Rogen. He made Warm Bodies, which is one of my favorite movies. You'll Paul, you would like this movie. It pretty much right. is about um it has a really cool emotional core to it too, because it's about 
uh, three kind of like lifelong childhood friends who have this like Christmas tradition every year where they go out and go crazy on Christmas. But it's mostly Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's like very arrested development. Like he wants to be 16 forever and he wants to keep this tradition going even though Seth and Anthony have like lives beyond this now and Christmas things that they need to do. And, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt just went through a really bad breakup. So he's like really trying to get the like Christmas tradition party going and Seth and Anthony are like, I, I, I mean, we'll do it one more time, I guess. Like, like but it's a really good combination of seasonal, like fun, Christmassy Seth Rogen gags and like a genuine emotional story that you really get into by the end. And it, it is very kind of sweet and moving. It, I really do think it's one of the best Christmas movies made in recent times. I'm going to choose to believe that's also the first movie you saw in theaters and you just right. never tried them <laughs> right. until 2015. Right, exactly. It also features possibly... Mama let me out once. <laughs> it also, right. It also features maybe the greatest performance by Michael Shannon in his career. Aw. Wow, it has a lot of famous people in it. Yeah. <laughs> True. Just like Glass Onion. Really all comes together. So wow, you this can is vote not airing you... on anything. That sucks. I have a copy no. of it. Oh, you could trade my right, exactly. copy of Pleasure for the night before. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so you can vote if you think any of those are the best on Twitter at Clapper Podcast, or you can reply with your own thoughts if you have a film you like to watch on Christmas that we did not mention. Let's end this off because we chose a really weird time to go on a hiatus and come back and do this new format, considering there's like 20 movies releasing every single week that are all big and notable. But that's okay. We're just going to ignore those outside of right now where we're going to go around and just give some rapid reviews. Michael, do you want to start? Because I believe you want to take us back to the world of Pandora really quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw Avatar The Way of Water on Friday. I think that if you liked the first one, you will absolutely like this one. I, despite the extremely you know racist, problematic aspects of it, enjoy the first one. And I think that it's uh, as a spectacle it's it's very well crafted and like you really do care about the characters i actually saw the re-release when the re-release was out a couple months ago i enjoyed it just as much i'm like in the one like pocket of people that i think genuinely does have avatar nostalgia because i was like late middle school when it came out so it really did blow my mind and i really did see it over and over again and then it did kind of fall out this one i think I, I'm pretty sure it will be compared to Force Awakens one billion times by next year. It very much has the vibe of we are simultaneously doing a sequel and reintroducing people to the world of Pandora, but I think it does it in a really, in, in a solid way with kind of the family saga of the Sullies and like showing you the underwater world. All the visuals are amazing. Definitely worth seeing. Um, in a larger format as James Cameron commands. It definitely, it definitely does. I dare say demand that experience because once you, once you lose that, I do think it's a slightly less, I think sturdy movie than the original, just in terms of pacing and in terms of all that, but it has a great third act climax as well. That pretty much takes up an entire hour. So it's de- it's definitely worth seeing. I don't think it's going to be the sensation that the original was, though. I think I'm going to watch it um, in the bath to feel the full <laughs> way of water. That's um, more immersive than phone. IMAX. 
<laughs> I really hope if in 40x they just like continually have water dripping on you. Like I was supposed to go to the 40x movie with my friend Michelle, but then she fucking pieced and left for the break. So I'm gonna have to wait. But I think she saw it without me. She's not gonna see it again. I'll go again. I would say like. I love the idea that someone hasn't seen Avatar and is like, this is what's going to push me to watch it. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you're going to see it, see it in a theater, right? Yeah. Like kind of a waste. Paul, what do you want to talk about for your rapid reviews? Listen, I keep getting yelled at by this company. I forgot to watch all their movies, but I will talk about two things that I watched. They're very insane. Okay. um, My first one is, um, the Adult Swim Yule Log. Don't look it up. Just watch it. Nope. Just look. Don't look it up. Just watch it. Um, you will either hate or love it, but at least you had an experience. Um, and then my second one is I just watched the Miss Cleo documentary last night. Um, and wait, there's a Miss Cleo documentary <laughs> where yes. it's on uh, HBO Max. Um, and it's it's really fun. Um I think it's a lot sadder than I was expecting it to be. It is, um, you know what? It gives me similar vibes to the documentary, the eyes of Tammy Faye, like where you're just like, well, this is bleak. Like it's someone who just got caught up in some stuff and like usually is fine. But, um, yeah, I loved it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that and the Yule log are great. Um, I also watched, I guess, uh, Daniel Sloss's new um, stand-up special. That was good. Um, not like I really like his other ones, and this one very much felt like he feels that he has to emotionally hit in the same way, and a, he's running out of like personal material to pull from. Even like he only has really two that he pulls from his own emotional life his third one was pulling from someone else's and then this fourth one is like a thing that he hasn't mentioned so far so it feels like it's not that big a deal but he tries to make it a big deal um you know but overall if you like him it's five bucks on his website i enjoyed myself i uh you know watched it over an evening it's good I'm obsessed that you were like, when you do rapid reviews at the end of this episode to talk about certain films. And the thing is, I haven't them. watched those movies because I just found them. Um, although I need to watch EO like I did get a screener for that. That was on me. Yeah. You, get, you got EO. I want to watch it with you. You're going to hate EO. Really? I don't know. I think I don't know what you I Paul. I cannot just <laughs> assume whatever I say you're going to like. You're going to hate whatever you I say. You're gonna I hate, feel you're like gonna I'm very obvious. Do you ever- I like you're the number one person I've ever met where like truly I have no idea if you're going to like or hate any film. <laughs> I can oh, I also get like a Silent vibe. Night. We didn't talk about that. That was oh, fun. It sure was. I did. I, yeah, I, I literally liked it fell too. asleep. You did? Oh, round two. I fell asleep. Oh, fair. round two. Well, my roommate wanted to see it. <laughs> I know. But like, <laughs> so you didn't fall asleep. You'd already seen it. It's like Let's when be I, clear, I was bored round. I was bored round one. So <laughs> um, I only I I. It's one of those movies that I feel like the sequel will be really good. So I'm going to support the first one because I think the sequel will get rid of the Namby Pamby, like, you know, family drama and go straight into like. Biking Santa. And I want that. Yeah, we also had a great time. We also had a great time seeing Violent Night because Paul and I went with one of our friends who doesn't usually have like really 
like expressive reactions to movies but for some reason violent night he loved it he was just talking about like i have not been this engaged with a movie in a very long time like like he would like paul's there he he yeah well my favorite part about it too was like um we were surround sound. So my friend Michelle was on the other side and she also was having a great time. And we were both just like, Oh, this is what movies are like for like people who aren't critical pieces of shit. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just go into a movie and they're like, well, this was fun. It is funny. I actually saw uh glass onion uh, popping back to that for like a half second with Michelle. And she was like, Oh, I didn't think about any of this and not like you're correct. Just, I don't care. And I'm like, huh? What's that like? I can't imagine just watching something and being like, I don't care if it was like technically good or whatever. Um, It's just fun. I miss that world. (laughs) Yeah, it must be nice. I mean, I cannot really relate at all now at this point, but whatever. Um, I have quite a few films. I'm going to just quickly mention white noise is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I do not understand a single decision in that film. Quite literally, if you take a movie and just like, delete any sense of style or craft of just of any kind it is the worst movie of the year possibly uh the whale is terrible i know paul you also hate it. i don't know if you want to jump in i do not think it adds up to anything and it quite literally is fat phobic let's just be clear let's just say it so not it's- good sadie sink also is genuinely one of the worst performances of the year i do not know how anyone can look at her like yelling and trying to be this like dark like you know which is so weird because i have watched her performance in stranger things and she's so good in that i don't know if that was shot before or after um or maybe it's just she's around her friends versus she's trying to win an oscar um i also thought she was good in the all too well music video i have huge problems with which may win an oscar (laughs) even though it came out theatrically last year like let's be clear should not be eligible this year. no it came out theatrically this year it played in theaters in October last year when the album released. Uh, I don't think it played in New York and L.A. It played literally in New York City. I kn- or yeah, maybe it just. Thank you. I know the AMC it played at. Okay? Well, because you can play movies beforehand. <laughs> Otherwise, like you know, my screening of uh, you know any of the early access movies would count for that. Well, year. if we put any YouTube video in history. And we give it a theatrical release now. This, it would this video for the next year, right? Exactly. Well, any yeah. Well, this is a feature. If we now. play this, if we play this uh, in theaters in two years, they'll be eligible then for an Oscar. Um, no, I my did... biggest problem with the whale was um, I really found that it's not his story to tell. Um, it's not Aronofsky's. I mean, literally, uh, I forgot Charlie's character. It's not his story. It's other people's story. So like following, you know, there's a thing where people pick the most interesting character like uh, as the lead. And usually it should be that he is the supporting, like the most interesting character should be the one that you're more interacting with than, you know, because uh, all we have is like Sadie Sink being the audience surrogate, but she shows up every five seconds. And then we have Hong Chao, who I feel like enables him in a weird way. Um but I think yeah, it, but like with her, you understand it. Oh. I mean, Sadie Sink is out there literally trying to murder him. Yeah. Like, um, but I I think what's very interesting is two movies that I didn't really like this year have a absolutely insane 
one scene performance from Samantha Morton, who comes in, does a full on acting lesson, and then is like, goodbye. <laughs> like, I was so bored in that movie. She comes in with just fire, and I was like, yes. And then she did it again with, she said, I was like, I cannot do this movie anymore. We're just going to have interview after interview. And then Samantha Morton popped up, and I was like, oh, this is going to be different for me. And she comes in and fucking kills it. She's so good. She is like, when we're talking about like, oh, who should be listed in the best supporting? I think the problem is she has two good ones. And I would guess that like, they're just ripple conversations versus like, mm-hmm. she did this one big one that we need. Uh, but yeah, she's so good. I just want to say funny the, that oh, the movie with the backbone of like, say something authentic to yourself is being directed by a guy who is a skinny straight white man. And it's about a fat gay man. I just think I with the whale, the material is so bad. Like, I don't think really yeah. any of the actors did a particularly bad job. Like I even think Sadie Sink, I thought her performance and her acting was good. I just think it's a horribly written character. And I think the whole play is horribly written. And it's written to be performed in a the- in a black box theater for ten people, and to have them all go, Ugh, and not like a theatrically released movie for the masses. Like I, and I really think like that's the root of the issue. Is I just think it's abysmally written, and well, my other- just like and just like everybody, everybody, even Aronofsky, I think was doing their best to sort of realize this material that is just crap. And I think they, they they tried their best, but I just don't really think it was savable or salvageable in any way. It just shouldn't have been made. It's well, I also horrible. think like, I mean, one of my biggest issues is like, you know, when we're talking about the fat phobia aspects. Um, I do find it's like a little interesting. Um, like people can live at 600 pounds and be fine. Like they're they're definitely dealing with health issues, but like they're not dying at 50 like necessarily um you watch those shows you know my 600 pound life or whatever and it's like these people are ill but they're not like (laughs) like this man is full on like having every health issue you could imagine it's like so this is more of a leaving las vegas suicide it makes me icky Uh, the last two I'll mention, I think A Man Called Otto is pretty fun. It's like a solid ah. little Tom Hanks feature. I love the original film. I don't think this is as good as that. But like, I think it like is shockingly good considering the trailers are bad. It didn't get like any promotional material. It's just like randomly releasing. And I think it's good. Um, but I think the MVP is Babylon. I'll quickly mention Damien Chazelle's. Um, I love Chazelle. If you hate Chazelle, I don't know what to tell you if you hate La La Land. Like, Paul, I think does, you know, fuck off. But um, I think it's the best movie of the year and a wonderful exploration and combative perspective on Hollywood and movies through the medium itself. So I enjoy Babylon. Listen to me on the uh, Piecing It Together podcast. I'm on it for Babylon sometime in the past or future. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But that's coming out. So I think that's going to do it for our episode today. Where can we find everyone on social media? Michael as our guest. Please take it away. Uh, yeah, you can find me on um, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I can say Twitter right now for the moment. Uh, Instagram, um, Relay, etc. as a King of Burbank. Don't advertise your Instagram. We'll get pulled off Twitter. It's oh, not allowed true. anymore. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Uh, Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. 
And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews. Letterboxd just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening slash watching to this. Again, you can find new episodes now weekly on YouTube as well as all of our old platforms. Um, thank you so much. And we'll be back next week to discuss some of our favorite and least favorite films of 2022. Goodbye. <laughs>